Hello, hello everybody and welcome once again if you're joining me for the second time on this podcast, What on Middle Earth. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for giving me your ears, giving me your attention and just generally enjoying my rambling through the works of Tolkien. If you're new here, also welcome. I'm glad to have you. Um, If you're joining in for the first time ever. Uh, This is a podcast series where, I mean, I just basically go through the works of Tolkien from the beginning, from the Silmarillion, and just talk about what happens, my thoughts as wild and all over the place as they might be, and just helpfully, helpfully? (laughs) Hopefully just help a little bit more understanding of the world around the Lord of the Rings, as you might know it, and the world that Tolkien... Oh my goodness, I can't talk today. The world that Tolkien created. (laughs) Clearly I need more coffee. So in the last episode, which was indeed the first episode, we talked a little bit about the very first chapter of the Silmarillion, which is the Ainulindale. (laughs) And um, what happens there, the beginning of everything, the creation of everything, and how that comes about. And in this episode, we're going to be focusing down, or in, I suppose, a little bit, on what I mentioned before was some of my favourite content, which is uh, to do with the Valar, who they are, the spheres of influence that they cover. And this is called the Valaquenta. So let's get into it. I'm going to have a little wander through. Um, And I think I might actually break this up into several episodes because I feel like going through the entire Valaquenta in one episode, we're going to be here for three hours if I do that. So let's go ahead and divide it up. Let's talk about the gods, if you like, of this world, the Valar, and what they're all about. So while the Ainulindale, of course, was about the beginning in general, this is about the gods. Um, And you also have some talk about uh, the Valar in general, and the Maya. And if you want to think about this in a specific kind of way, you can think about the Valar as the greater of the gods, and the Maya as the lesser kind of gods. They both have power, but, you know, one is a greater spirit, I suppose, a greater portion of Iluvatar's thought, and one is a lesser part, and the Maya often have a valor that they serve, um, but we'll get into that a little bit later. So, right at the beginning, it's an account of the Via... via ah, oh my goodness, the Valar and the Maya, according to the law of the Eldar, the Eldar being the elves. So if you can imagine this being an elvish recounting of tales, I mean, the elves are very long-lived as it is, um, that's actually really nice and poetic and a great way to, uh, to frame this. So we go way back to the beginning once again. We talked about this kind of briefly in the last episode, about Eru, who is the one, and in the in, in the elvish tongue is called Iluvatar. Um, and he made the Ainur, who are, you know, the Valar, etc. 
um, of his thought. They are all portions of his thought, and they made the music of the world, which is how Arda and Ea come to be. They are manifestations of Iluvatar's thought. So the song is made visible, and they behold the light, and Iluvatar gives a vision to their their uh, their dreams and their thoughts. He uh, he set amid everything the void, the secret fire was sent to burn at the heart of the world, which we kind of covered last episode as well, and it's called air. Then. In terms of the Ainur, because I know these terms can get pretty confusing, um, what are the Ainur and what are the Valar? The I, the Ainur, <laughs> Ainur. Uh, how many mistakes can I make in uh, in one episode? I, I refuse to edit this out, so you're getting all of my rambling thoughts as they come out. The Ainur are the manifestations of Iluvatar's thought before they descend to Arda. Those who wanted to descend to Arda and go into the world at the beginning of time, those are the Valar. The Valar chose to stay in Arda. So there is that, um, and it's their task, the ones who go into the world, it's their task to achieve everything that was sung about in the music of the world. Build the world, if you like. Let's see what we've got here. Long they laboured in the regions of Ea, which are vast beyond the thought of elves and men, until in the time appointed was made Arda, the kingdom of earth. Then they put on the raiment of earth and descended into it and dwelt therein. So it's interesting because at this point, elves don't exist, men don't exist. So what does it mean, I wonder, when they talk about the raiment of, uh, the raiment of earth? Because we have loads of art and depictions of them as human humanoid forms, I suppose. Um, but where did that come from? They don't know what humans and elves look like. Unless they're taking this from the visions that they had of the elves and humans from their song and the potential of what they have to be and they prototype themselves based on that. That's my only my only thought when it comes to that. And then we dive right back into the Valar themselves, uh, who they are, and how they came to be. So, the Valar are the Ainur who came to Ea, and they laboured long and hard within Ea to, you know, make all these beautiful things that are part of their song, and part of this whole grand scheme of things that Iluvatar had set forth for them. Um, it's also interesting to know that the Valar is the term generally you would use for the male. Male, I suppose, uh, those Valar who took the male form, that is. And the Valier are the ladies, the female forms of the Valar. And so we get into the real stuff that I get nerdy about, uh, the names of all of the Valar. So, you know, based on the descriptions here, you can conjure up in your mind what they might look like and how they behave. You've got, um, first of all, Manwe, who is the king of the Valar. He's the one closest to Iluvatar's thoughts and ideals. And he's the lord of the wind, the clouds. He is the king. Um, <clears throat> and he's also called Sulimo, which is quite good to know. 
Um, and he he covers things like birds, anything to do with the sky and the air, the wind and the clouds. In fact, it says here, he was appointed to be, in the fullness of time, the first of all kings, lord of the realm of Arda and ruler of all that dwell therein. In Arda, his delight is in the wind and the clouds, and in all the regions of the air, from the heights to the depths, from the utmost borders of the Vale of Arda to the breezes that blow in the grass. Which is very beautiful. It's like he's he's part of every breeze that blows, every breath that is taken. Um, next we have Ulmo, who's one of my favourites. He's the Lord of Water, and he dwells alone uh, by choice, and he rarely comes to the realms of the gods. He prefers to stay on Arda and is very much concerned with the fate of Arda, the fate of its citizens and beings, and there he stays in the, in the waters of the world. Um, he loves Arda and the children of Ar Arda, and it's often said that you can hear his voice in the water, in the waves that lap and, you know, the churning of the water and the oceans and lakes, rivers, he's all there. So as someone who loves water in general, um, I think he's quite an awesome Valar. Then you have Aule, who is the Valar of the earth. He is the smith and he crafts many, many things. The Noldor, who we will come to a later chapter, um, are especially fond of him. Uh, just a quick sort of recap of that. The Noldor elves are famous and very accomplished craftsmen, and they create beautiful jewels and metalworks and things of beauty and that kind of thing. Um, and they revere Aule. Um, and Aule is also responsible for the creation of the dwarves, which, once again, I know we'll come up to that at a later point, but I think it's quite telling and beautiful in, you know, his character and his desires that, you know, there are the children of Iluvatar who are the elves and eventually the men, but he wanted something to call his own, his own creation to love. And so he made the dwarves without Iluvatar knowing and uh, repented for it. But Iluvatar was, uh, was kind and let him keep hold of his creations. But once again, spoilers, we'll get to that at a later date, I think. Then we have Orome, who is the hunter. Um, he hunts monsters in Arda before the sun and the moon uh, are created and Arda is generally just in darkness. He roams the dark places of Arda with his horse, Nahar, um, and hunts all of the monsters and he is the lord of beasts. So, good or bad, the beasts of the world are under his domain. Then we have uh, the twins. I believe they're twins. They're mentioned together quite often, who are Mandos and Lorien, which is quite interesting. They're named after their dwellings here. They also go by the names Namo and Irmo. Um, and they are the Feanturi, or the masters of spirits. Mandos, who lives in the halls of Mandos, um, is the lord of the dead. And he is the doomsman of the Valar. Which means, you know, he makes proclamations of things that are to be, or the dooms of a certain person or group of people. I believe not, usually not without the uh, 
the prompting of Iluvatar or some uh, greater authority, but he is the doomsman and he forgets nothing. He has great and deep and long memory. Um, and he knows all that will be, which is quite, quite a heavy burden to bear, I would think, knowing everything that is to pass, but not being able to speak about it unless sort of prompted, whether it's by authority or by, you know, his own anger or that kind of thing. And then you have Lorien, his twin, his uh, brother, Lorien or Ermo, who lives in Lorien, not to be confused with Lothlorien, that's a totally separate place, who is the Lord of Visions and Dreams, um, which is, you know, you've got one twin who is dealing with the dead, the endless sleep, and then you've got Lorien who deals with our subconscious, our dreams and that kind of thing. And then finally of the male Valar, We've got Tulkus, who was the strong and the valiant. He was the last to come to Arda, and he's quite uh, quite jolly, quick to laugh, but also quick to throw hands, as they say. Um, and that's the male Valar that we have here. Next, let's look at the, um, the female Valar. So we've got Varda who is the wife of Manwe. She's the lady of the stars and a great beauty. And she is also the lady of light and she is greatly beloved by the elves. Um, and she, she and Manwe have quite a wonderful partnership and relationship. I love the description from them, or f about them rather, in this Valaquenta here, where it talks about when she is next to Manwe, um, she can help Manwe see even further because of her light and her beauty. And Manwe can help her to hear everything that happens across all of being, all of the earth, all of Ea. And I love that. I think that's wonderful. Um, she's also known to the elves as Elbereth, which you may have heard the song um, Agilthoniel, no, no, Elbereth Gilthoniel, that's it, which is actually sung in uh, The Fellowship of the Ring. And that's her that they're referring to. Next you have Yavanna, who is the Valar of nature and all living things. She's also responsible for the creation of, a little later on, the two trees, um, Laurelin and Telperion. And she loves all things that grow. Um, she is the wife of Aule, the smith, and uh, they come to quite an interesting disagreement later on about the creation of the dwarves and whether it should have happened, but uh, that's uh, for another time, I think. Then you have Niena, who dwells alone, and she is the lady of grief and mourning, which sounds uh, quite dark and dank and sad. But it's quite interesting and quite important, I think. She also is the Lady of Pity and inspires hope in a lot of people. She's the sister of Mandos and Lorien, or Namo and Irmo. And uh, her dwelling is in the far west. So beyond 
the reach of the world as we know it, and it looks west, so away from the world. Onto what? We don't know. The void? Something else? Um, yeah, I think that's quite interesting that she dwells alone and she keeps to herself. <clears throat> and next we have Este, who is the healer. She is the wife of Lorien, I believe, and she is the Lady of Healing, and she sleeps during the day, and there's a fountain that uh, she has in Lorien that heals all hurts, I believe. I'm trying to find the part in the chapter just now. Yeah, she's the healer of hurts and of weariness. Grey is her raiment, and rest is her gift. She walks not by day, but sleeps upon an island in the tree-shadowed lake of Laurelin. From the fountains of Irmo and Este, all those who dwell in Valinor draw refreshment, and often the Valar come themselves to Lorien, and there find repose and easing of the burden of Arda. So she brings a lot of joy, a lot of healing to not only the people of Arda, but to her fellow Valar, which is quite lovely. Then you have v Vera. Vera? Please correct me if I'm pronouncing that one uh, wrong. But she is the weaver, and she weaves time, weaves fate. She is the wife of uh, of Mandos. That's right, Namo and Namo, who is also Mandos. Um, she's the weaver, and she weaves all things that have ever been in time into her storied webs, and the halls of Mandos that ever widen as the ages pass are clothed with them, which is quite an evocative uh image in my mind you know these slightly darkened halls full of spirits and ghosts draped with tapestries that will depict all of time all that has been all that will be it's quite it's quite chilling and interesting to uh to think about then you have a uh, vana the ever young who uh i think she's she's one of the lesser um, the lesser of the Valar. Um, and I believe she is the spouse of, uh, I want to say Orome? Orome. Let's see. I'm going to test myself. Is she the spouse of Orome? Yes, she is. Ah, I got it right. So Vanna the Ever Young, she is the spouse of Orome the Hunter of Beasts and, uh, Monsters. Um, and everywhere she walks, there are flowers and birds. So she brings a lot of joy and a lot of beauty to the lands. And then finally here we have Nessa, the dancer. And she is the wife of Tulkas the Strong. And she dances everywhere she goes. And she's very, very swift. She can run further than some, you know, of the fastest animals. And she dances all around Valimar, and she's full of life and joy as well. So she uh, is also a bringer of great beauty to the world. So that's a pretty rapid rundown of the Valar, all of them that we are aware of. It should also be noted that uh, Melkor, of course, is also a Valar. However, he is not counted among them. Um, because at the beginning of things, you know, he was equal in power to Manwe, counted as his, as his brother, but his thought is elsewhere, full of jealousy, anger, wanting 
what he cannot have, essentially. And that draws him away, pushes him away from the rest of the Valar and their purpose. And he spends the rest of time just trying to usurp them and make bad everything good that they're creating in the world. But we'll get to that in a future episode. Once again, that was a quick rundown of the first part of the uh, Valaquenta. Next episode, I'm going to give a quick, another quick rundown, I suppose, of the Maya, or those that we know, because there are many, many of the Maya, the lesser spirits that often serve under the Valar. So we'll talk a little bit about the most famous of those, the most well-known, and what they're known for. Uh, But for now, I hope you enjoyed that, my little ramble through the gods of Middle-earth, of Arda. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day, Tolkien fans, brand new folks and listeners, and listeners from the previous episode. I'm also having a bit of a thought about um, turning this into a little bit more of a storytelling series. So if you have, have any ideas on that or any thoughts, or if you'd prefer that kind of content, I have some ideas myself of, you know, making an elven historian character and uh, having her traverse through these old tomes of lore. So we might have a little track switch there to see if we can make it more evocative and interesting. And I love a bit of storytelling, so I would absolutely be up for that. Let me know what you think. Thank you once again. I appreciate all your listening time and your care and your thoughts. And I'll hear you, hear you, I'll, (laughs) I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks so much.